Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I did hail from parents who learned how to, didn't learn how to read until their mid-20s. I did hail from a family who grammatically didn't know how to write. I did hail from a set of parents who were uneducated and a long lineage of people who worked on farms in their previous countries. Like, I, this is true. And all of a sudden, I felt like shame, embarrassment, um, insecurity, unqualification, and as much as it hurt, dear God, that woman gave me the greatest gift. Because I walked out in a complete state of shock. I went back to my dorm room. I cried. And then I created such a chip on my shoulder. And I said, no, I am going to write as if my life depends on it. So the question is this, how do thought leaders, school dropouts, former and current students find out what's next after they do or don't cross that stage? If you want to know the secrets to starting the career or business of your dreams, getting paid whatever you desire, and discovering what you do the best with the least amount of effort, then this is the right podcast for you. I'm Sean Anthony, and this is School's Over. Now what? The podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to School's Over, now with the podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Anthony. Today, we sit down with none other than Jasmine Starr. This has been one of my most highly requested people to ever feature on the show, and I know you're in for a treat today. And I know a lot of you are very familiar with her content. She's a well-known photographer, business strategist, and helps many people build their companies and helps entrepreneurs build their brand and market on social media to achieve whatever their goals are in life and throughout their own personal journey. But guys, today's episode, you're going to see her in a completely different light. We talk about her life from homeschool to the public school system. And how a moment in her college life placed a chip on her shoulder and she just ran with it. You know, a lot of times in life we get hit with challenges or we may hear words that it's hard for us to take in. What you truly have to understand in those moments of clarity is that you have to be thankful for it. You've just been given a gift. Guys, if you enjoy this episode, we only ask that you do one of a few things. Screenshot yourself listening to the episode screenshot your screens 
and tag Sean R. Anthony underscore and also tag at Jasmine Star and let us know what you thought of this episode. Every single week, I like to give you guys a review of the week. Um, this week's review of the week goes to D Blue 702, who wrote, me being a college dropout and being 29 years old, I can see the value that Sean brings to his audience. I listen to a lot of Gary V, Eric Thomas, and Ed Milet, so I can honestly say Sean has a very well done podcast. D Blue 702, I appreciate you, man. I mean, when you look at those names that you mentioned, Gary V, Eric Thomas, Ed Milat, those are all three guys that anybody that is doing this would inspire to be. So to be mentioned in those same sentences with those guys is highly appreciated. This is just the beginning, and I appreciate you. This also is going to help us reach an even bigger audience. We do this for you. So every single play, every single listen it's going to change your life. And hopefully this episode impacts how you carry yourself from now on and you go forward. And when you hit with a time of being nervous, being embarrassed, being scared and feeling that fear, know that you have to take an action in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 19 with Jasmine Starr. Well, welcome to School's Over Now with the podcast, and I am here with the one and only highly requested Jasmine Star. How are you? Oh, Sean, with that, welcome. I mean, I already feel well at home. Thank you. Man, we're excited for this one. So you've been somebody that has been highly requested, so I wanted to make sure that I reached out to you, and I kind of want to kind of like dive into your story and, you know, how it relates so much to this topic. I'm ready. Thank you for having me. So take us back to like the beginning, like where are you from? I'm born and raised in Southern California, East Los Angeles. Um, my father is from Mexico and my mom's from Puerto Rico. And they came, well, my mom came to mainland US. My dad immigrated from Mexico and they met in East LA and they started a family. And I think it's a traditional like immigrant story. We had a dad who worked so hard. My parents had five children. Uh, we came to this beautiful, amazing country or my parents came here, they had nothing. And, um, you know, we lived off government assistance and I got college scholarships and we learned how to hustle and basically living the American dream. Wow. So I want to go back. Like I want to, I want to go back to your childhood. So out, out of the five children, where are you? I'm the eldest. Oh, perfect. So Hi, like, America. I was like, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But I would have guessed like maybe, okay, maybe she's a middle child and she figured it all out. No, I'm the oldest. I am the oldest. Oh, wow. So as you're growing up, like in like your childhood and, you know, trying to figure out what you needed to do, like when you were in school, like what was some of the things that you like were naturally just drawn to? Well, you know what? I probably should explain that I was homeschooled until I was 14 years old. So school for me was like, I joke, but I'm kind of being serious. No diss on my mama, but I felt like I was like schooled by wolves. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. she had five kids and we were like, we lived in the hood and you know, she didn't, my parents as simple as they were, like they didn't want to send us to school because it's like, we would have to go through like metal detectors to get in. And they just didn't feel like it was a healthy environment. So what my mom did, my parents literally had no money for textbooks, but at the end of the school year, my mom would go behind the local elementary school and she would uh, dumpster dive. And so she would collect, like teachers would throw away textbooks that had pages ripped out. 
or a page is missing. And what she would do, she would collect like six of the same book. And then from the six books that were all dismantled, she would reassemble one book with all the broken pieces of another. And so that became our textbook. Every year we would get a new textbook that was kind of like, you know, uh, duct taped along the spine, but she would kind of give it to us and say, I'm going to walk you through this in the morning and then you'll just work on it the rest of the day. And so we had a lot of time just to be creative. We had a lot of time to do anti-school, which really empowered me to fall in love with learning. Oh, wow. And it sounds like like your mom, like it seems like she has such a, a hunger and a passion to make sure you guys, you know, had that type of education. So she was putting textbooks together. Oh, yes. And she still has that passion. She no longer has children who are of the school age, but I just saw her yesterday. Thank, thank the Lord. She is a, she is a two time brain cancer survivor. She spent eight and a half years battling brain cancer and she defied the odds. Everything I know about life, about business, about the reality of what it is to like really want something. She wanted to be there for her family. Like I've learned that from her. So just yesterday, we always make time for like to see my mom at least a couple times a week. And so I was driving her to the grocery store and she says, oh, I'm put together this class for Black History Month. Like, mind you, we're months away from Black History Month. And she says, I put together this class for Black History Month and I'm going to invite the local neighborhood kids and we're going to talk about Harriet Tubman and we are going to talk about the changes that this country, I mean, she just loves teaching and wow. she loves giving kids the power to imagine what their lives could be when they have what she called a passport. Like we could never travel as kids, but she said you could travel wherever you can read if you use your imagination. So that definitely kind of set the tone for our lives. Man. I mean, you talk about a childhood. I mean, in this in your childhood, it seems like you had the Webster of all dictionaries with your mom. And you know, if you can believe it, she barely graduated high school and my dad didn't, he graduated high school, but didn't know, learn how to properly read until he was 24 years old. So my parents are simple, but they love the power that education provides. And I think that that's where they just doubled down. We did not have much, but man, oh man, did we have a library card that was used more than anything else in the world. Wow. So take me through this. So like you're going through, you know, being homes taught and, you know, you're taking on all these different learnings. What were you gravitating to the most? What was saying, you know, screaming your name? Uh, reading, which is pretty ironic because I didn't learn how to read until I was like 11 and a half years old. And that's really late. You know, most kids are learning like seven, eight years old, getting cursory knowledge of reading. And I, it didn't come to me. And you know, our, our grandparents were really worried. People at church would be like, are you sure you're doing the right thing? And my mom always believed that when the brain was ready to learn, it would. And I'm really thankful for her taking a really strong stance because when reading wasn't mandated to force me to do it, when it opened up my mind at 11 years old, I was a voracious reader. Like mm. the librarians knew us by name and she would say, Jasmine, you cannot take out 10 books at a time. And I started crying and my father had to explain to her, she's finishing a book in a day. Mm. And we took us to the library and he's like, we can't keep on bringing her back every seven days. And they made an exception to the rule because I just read and reading empowered me to leave my bedroom, empowered me to leave my house, empowered us to leave, you know, the neighborhood that was filled with sirens and graffiti. And it was just like a way for me to live the life I'd always dreamed of. So opening these books and for those people that are listening, I think what they're getting right now is the ability to open a book and take your mind outside of, you know, your surroundings, your current situation. Oh, a thousand percent. Wow. So then you go on, right. And you continue on and you say, all right, 
what school am I going to pick and how am I going to make that decision for my life? How did you go about that thought process? Well, I think it's important to backtrack a tiny bit, if you'll allow me, because my parents moved to a small town just outside of Los Angeles. It's still in LA County's place called La Mirada. And it's not, you know, it's definitely blue collar, but from where we were, we just thought we were coming up in the world. We're like, wait, what? Like there's no graffiti. Wait, what? People say <laughs> stop life here. It was great. It was great. So kind of just like a blue collar neighborhood. And we we're just so happy to live there. And my parents decided to send us to high school. So this is, I'm 14 years old. I've never been in a school. I've never had a locker. I've never changed periods. And for all intents and purposes, you know, my parents didn't know how we would fare in like a public school setting. And I keep on saying, we, forgive me, I have a twin sister. So we went into school at the same time. And um, I quickly learned within the first like month or two how to navigate what school looked like and how I should be engaging. And my first semester, I had straight A's. And my parents put no pressure on us. I just put the pressure on myself. And so um, by the time my second year came around, the, the school administration had asked me to be a part of the honors track. And so I ended up graduating high school with a 4.5 GPA, not because I was smart. Like, that's not it at all. It's just I was relentless, Sean. Like, for everything I didn't know, I would stay behind. I would meet with teachers. I would do extra credit. And I feel like that really set the pattern because I look back and I think if I want to get to where I want to go in life. I need to empower myself to have every door open to me that's available. And that came as a byproduct of could I get scholarship money to college? Because there's just no way my parents could afford it. Mm-hmm. And um, the conversation we had, my parents had two daughters, uh, both academically, we succeeded. And it came time to go to college. My parents have no money. And so collectively, we made this decision as a family that we would go to the college that gave us the most scholarship money. And I ended up choosing a school based on where I got a full ride. And that was a local liberal arts college called Whittier College here in California, LA County. I am so glad you just shared that. So I got a couple questions. So you, you go from, you know, being homeschooled and to now going on to high school, what was one of the biggest like differences and challenges? I feel like there's a great debate of, you know, should someone be homeschooled or should they, you know, go to public school? So what was the biggest challenge and difference you noticed with that? Um, it was so much more rigid. And this was the first time in my entire 14 years that, you know, it's like when you went into school, the only objective was to test well. It wasn't comprehension. It wasn't deep depth, deep depth learning the way that my, my mother valued depth. She valued contextual learning. Like, what did it mean in the world? And I think when I went to school, it was like, oh, this is just rote. Like, I need to regurgitate what I just learned in the past few weeks on this test. And if I do well, okay. And so it almost became systematic, uh, computation instead of education. Mm. And it, I don't, I don't diss it. I just don't think it was all that valuable in in the long run. I just learned, oh, this is how the game is played. I will learn the rules, but then on the weekends I'm still reading. And on the weekends I'm trying to go to like, you know, government funded like educational programs for underprivileged high school students, things of that nature. Man. And, and, and now it all starts to click. So here you are highly knowledgeable. You, you already have a mindset that was installed upon you upon childhood and you go to high school, you get the GPA, you're off to college, right? So you're off to college. So what, what major did you decide to pick? Oh, Sean, man, we're going deep. I love this conversation because I have never spoken about this stuff. I love it. Yeah. Oh, so I, um, so I went in 
um, to, it's a liberal arts school. So for those of you who may or may not be familiar, liberal arts, like you're required to take a lot of classes outside of your dis- discipline so that you have a holistic approach to education instead of just being like, oh, I am a chemistry major. I only focus on chemistry related classes. So I went in undeclared, but part of being undeclared, our school required you to pick three possible majors. And it was for me at the time, it was English, psychology and political science. I really felt I wanted to do something writing, changing the world, changing the way thought happened. And my English 101 professor, I ended up being placed in the psychology track, but it was all rudimentary, like, you know, English classes. It was an English class with like a psychology bent. And I will never forget being in her class for maybe a month and a half before the first paper was due. And Mm -hmm. I'm an overachiever. Like I just, I try, I pour my heart and soul into it. And so I put together my first collegiate paper. I had submitted it and then she graded them and didn't return. She had passed out the papers to everybody in class. She passed out my paper. There wasn't a grade on it. And just in the back and read letters, she had said, can you please see me after class? So I go to her office and we sit down and she sits across from me and folds her hands in her lap. And she says, can I ask you a question? And I said, Yes. She's like, are you a first generation American? And I was like, yes. She's like, has anybody in your family ever gone to college? And I said, no. And she's like, I think I can tell this in your writing. Whoa. And I just like still even talking about right now gives me a little bit. Because like my whole life, I had this freedom to learn and create. And then I got to high school and it became rote. And in my school, I graduated at the, I wasn't valedictorian, but I graduated at the top of my class. And to sit across a woman and say, by the virtue of my writing, she could tell I had hailed from an immigrant family without a classical training. And oh, we, if you could ever crush somebody's spirit. And here's the thing. She didn't mean it maliciously. I think she was trying to find, she was a psychology professor. Yeah. She was trying to find the best way to help me. But even though it was well-intentioned, it was just, it was just, it was soul crushing. Man. I mean, what was your response? Oh, I was gobsmacked. I, but I, I didn't know what to say because nothing she had asked or, or had surmised was untrue. I did hail from parents who learned how to, who didn't learn how to read until their mid twenties. I did hail from a family who grammatically didn't know how to write. I did hail from a set of parents who were uneducated and a long lineage of people who worked on farms in their previous countries. Like I, this is true. And all of a sudden I felt like shame, embarrassment, um, insecurity, unqualification. And as much as it hurt, Dear God, that woman gave me the greatest gift because I walked out in a complete state of shock. I went back to my dorm room. I cried. And then I created such a chip on my shoulder. And I said, no, I am going to write as if my life depends on it. And I would go to, uh, we have writing clinics at our school and I would write a paper two weeks in advance and I would take it to the clinic and then I would sit with the student. They would help me rewrite it. And then I would rewrite it, take it back and it would sit. And so I just used every free resource at school to teach me how to be a better writer. And I ended up getting an A in her class. Hey guys. So let me take a guess. You're enjoying the show. And if that's right, please make sure that you take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast right now and tag me at Sean R. Anthony underscore. I promise you this is going to help in amazing ways. And while you're at it, 
hit the five-star rating, and subscribe. With that being said, guys, let's get back to the show. Man, man, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, so you, you basically take, like, probably the biggest insult you could have had in your entire life after you achieved so much, you know, educational success, and then you walk around with it as your motivation. Yeah. And when you walk around with it as your motivation, no matter, you know, what, you know, achievement I can imagine that you received after this, you still kept that chip on your shoulder. And it's obvious because everything that, that you put out into the world now, and we'll get to that in just a second, you see someone that has a mindset of making sure that it creates an impact for those that are reading. Absolutely. But here's the thing is I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for where that led me because as a result of that, even though I did extraordinarily well my first year of college, I decided I am not going to be a writer. Yeah. And uh, I ended up uh, switching my major to business administration, which I'm so thankful for. I excelled. It was great. It was wonderful. It changed the, you know, the path of my life. And so in that regard, I'm very thankful. But what I think has happened as a result of that, because, you know, when you're in college, it's like the first time you're an adult. So the first time in my adult life, so early in my adult life, I have this like pivotal transformation and there was an opportunity for me. And I say this like I'm pontificating, right? I could say this in retrospect. Now, at the time I wasn't this deep or cerebral, but as an adult years later, I could look back and say, you chose to look at the situation in one of two ways. Positive. I am going to prove something to somebody, or I could have equally have viewed it as negative. It could have crushed me. I could have said, you know what? You're right. It is. This is the fact. I will just float through school. I could be mediocre. Maybe I won't return next semester. Perhaps I don't belong. But that was just the first of so many times in my life where somebody had underestimated me or had an assumption or, 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 or had a theory of how I would succeed. And I then said it to be my mission to prove them wrong. And we all have that same power. We all can look at the same situation and say, somewhere in this, this will be the best possible thing to happen in my life. And that's the best way to treat, you know, those tough, those very tough moments. I, I truly believe that tough moments and times where you have to face reality are the times where you're going to see what you're made of. And then you'll also see the person that you are, you know, designed to become. So I, I gotta share. I got, I gotta thank you so much for just sharing, like it being so vulnerable and giving that story. I'm not sure. Has anybody ever heard that story? I don't think, I don't think so. Wow. That's just, that, that's powerful beyond measure. So you continue on, right? And so when was school over for you? And like, did you go on? Did you finish your degree? Like, did, like what, what was next after that? Yes, I earned my degree in business administration and I graduated summa cum laude from Whittier College and I applied to law school. And one thing I should be very, very clear is um, I earned good grades. I didn't make good grades. And I think it's very clear that as a result of being homeschooled and never having taken standardized tests, I, one, don't know how to take standardized tests. And two, intellectually, I'm just not there. And so all throughout childhood, we tested extraordinarily low um, on aptitude tests and, and state-mandated educational tests, extraordinarily low. And then when I graduated high school, I graduated with a 4.5 and my SAT score, cumulative. 
I took it twice was uh, 940. Whoa. Like it, yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that, and so that was really jarring, which is why I probably lost out on a lot of opportunities to get scholarships to different schools. So um, when I took the LSAT, I performed extraordinarily low, even though I graduated with a 4.0 in college. And so again, this goes back to the same pattern in my life is that for all intents and purposes, I had studied for the LSAT like my life depended. It's not because I didn't study. It's not because I didn't take it twice. It's not because I didn't pay for the courses to learn how to take the test. My brain just does not work in that capacity. And so here I had the opportunity, again, a fork in the road to say, I can test myself to see if I could write the most powerful entry essays to law school and just explain to them who I am. And I know that the odds were stacked against me, but I ended up applying to the top 20 law schools in the nation and saying, Hey, what does it hurt to be said? I mean, it just, it takes nothing for them to say no to me. I knew that there was a 99.9% chance that these schools were going to say no to me. That was it. I mm -hmm. knew it, but I still applied. And against all odds, I was accepted to the University of Virginia. I was universe, uh, Berkeley. I was accepted to UCLA. I was accepted to USC. These oh. are all 25 law schools yeah. in, in addition to others. And it was such this beautiful, powerful moment of redemption because in the essay, it was all about grit. It was all about determination. And I gave proof of my scores at my LSAT. I gave proof of like me lo testing low during as, as a homeschool child. And I said, but look at what happens as the result. Like give me the opportunity. And not only did schools give me the opportunity, but two state schools here in California, UC Berkeley and UCLA, as well as USC, gave me scholarship money. So they just didn't want me at the school. They gave me money to go to school. And I ended up choosing, again, just out of resources, I, had, I ended up choosing UCLA because they gave me the most scholarships. Excuse me. Scholarship money. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, there's, there's so many things to say from that. I, I mean, the fact that you said to yourself, you're going to listen to me one way or the other <laughs> and you reach out to all these different schools and they responded. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, you know, I think that we all possess the capacity to fight for what we want on the condition that we know we are not entitled on the condition that we know the odds are stacked against us, on the condition that we are the underdog. Anything beyond that is money. We're living in gravy. I am unafraid to take big, wild risks and ask for everything that I want. And to be told no would be, hey, that's what I, that's what I thought to begin with. Anything beyond that? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Wow. I mean, is that, is, so what are you like, like, what's your philosophies just on like, like just in life in general, when you are up against an obstacle, right? And you, you don't know what the outcome would be. And a time you might have been nervous. Like, what's your thought process? You know, I, I kind of want to take a step back. And recently I had read that, I mean, please forgive me. I wish I had the source. Uh, our brains are hardwired to find solutions like that's what our brain is hardwired to do so we find solutions on how to open a jar of peanut butter in the morning we find solutions to how do we get across the mall in the most effective way and then remember where we park the car i mean we, we do it so often we're unconscious of it but when we put our mind to figuring out 
really what it, a solution to our problem. You be, you, when you're cognizant of it, you learn how to refine the process in your mind. So now that we go back to your original question is like, what's your mindset or philosophy when you're approaching a difficult situation is I think, oh, I see you old friend. I see you fear and doubt waiting for me in the corner. We've danced this tango before and I've always ended up on the front side. I've always been in the lead. So same fear, same doubt, same wondering of failure, but our brain has already been trained to find the solution instead of sitting in the unknown. So action is the antidote to fear. I only figure out what to do when I actually start doing something, anything, even if it's wrong. Even if I start something and I'm like, oh man, this is jacked up. I just made a big mistake. It's, it's okay. It got me even closer to where I wanted to, but I would never know what something was a mistake or whether or not it was a victory or success if I had not even just taken the first step to take the action. So when I feel like my chest is against fear, I just start doing. And I think that that moves us to getting closer to ultimately getting past that moment of fear and meeting success. I, I couldn't agree more. You got to take the action. You got to take the step. And whenever you feel like you can, you got to tell yourself that there's some way that you can pull it off. So I, I appreciate you for, you know, sharing that and, and giving that type of response. So here's a question that we ask every single person. Um, and before I ask that question, like some people are listening right now and they just want to know about Jasmine and how do you go from this person that has all this educational, this knowledge and transform yourself into your own brand and your own business? Like, how did you pull that off? And, and for those of you guys that are looking up Jasmine Star right now, she has over 250,000 followers on Instagram. Like, how, how do you go about that whole thought process there? Um, so I'm a, I'm a person of action. I love doing, so let's just break this down because when some, like as our friends right now are listening, I want them to end the podcast and be like, dang, I'm ready to go do something. Yeah. What do I do? Well, first and foremost is when it comes to actually, um, creating a business or building your passion. Cause I believe that you can, your passion could be your side hustle. It doesn't need to pay all of your bills and you can find this deep, deep sense of fulfillment. So if we know it's a full business, a side hustle, something you just love to do, the idea number one would be to say, who am I targeting? Like who is my passion, my side hustle, my business for like, and when you identify so clearly who that person is, then you say, Oh, I am in a unique place of service to give to this person what they need. The biggest misnomer for anybody, business or no business, is they don't know who they're speaking to. They know that they have something special to share with the world, but they don't know who will listen. First, we must identify, number one, who are we going to speak to? And ultimately, at some point in the future, who are we going to sell to? Because once you know who you're talking to, then you can craft a narrative and say, I am the unique person to give you something of value. So once number one, you identify, and I'm talking about nitty gritty, Sean, I'm talking about male, female, an exact age. I don't want to say, oh, my target market is between 25 and 57. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're going to give it a specific number, 37 30 years old, 22, because the way that you market to people of different ages is so wildly different. So yeah. 
that we know the gender, now that we know the age, now we have to figure out, are they married? Are they single? Do they have children? How many? What car do they drive? Where did they go on vacation? What's their last YouTube search? Where did they shop for clothing? How did they spend their weekends? What magazines do they subscribe to? I am talking about you are going to make a profile of a person who literally becomes one with your mind. Why? Because then you can create content, products, services that uniquely serve them in a way they want to be spoken to, in a way that they want to be sold to, and in a way they find valuable. So number one, we're going to know who that person is. And then number two, we're going to put ourselves in their shoes. So let's say that um, I am an author, or let's say I sell essential oils, or let's say I'm a fitness professional, and I'm dreaming of my dream customer, and I know who that person is, and that person feels real, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself in their shoes. And I say, man, my dream customer is a 47-year-old woman from New York City who has two kids, but she's but she doesn't she's not married, and she wants to work out, but she doesn't want to be indoors. I'm a private trainer. What type of content do I need to create on social media or in my website to attract her. And then all of a sudden, the rest becomes easy. Truly, when you do the hard work in the beginning, creating the content for that person becomes easier because like, oh, I know her. Oh, I know him. I know what they're struggling with. I know what they want help with. I know what they want. Their fears diminished. Now I'm the person to go and service them. Man, that's amazing. Jasmine, you have been phenomenal. I mean, you dropped so much gems and knowledge for so many people that's been listening on the podcast. I know we had you for a very brief time. Someone's listening and say, oh my gosh, Sean, have her for 31 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sean, if you have another question, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's the question that I want to ask, because this is the question we ask every single person that gets on this podcast. Okay. Okay. So if you were that student, right, if you were that person who used to go to college, whether you're a current student or former student or dropped out and you were asking yourselves the question of the podcast, school's over. Now what? What advice would Jasmine Starr give? Run. Don't look back and know with every fiber of your being that it is going to be okay. I think that I have spent half of my life wondering, will I be okay? Will it be okay? What will happen? If I can go back and tell myself of five years ago, 10 years ago, if I could tell my five-year-old self, I would lean over and I would whisper to her after college, after elementary, after junior high, I'd say, it's going to be okay. Just run and run fast and don't look back. Man. I appreciate you. You have been phenomenal. And there's no other advice I can tell anybody to just go out there and just run and don't look back. Jasmine, you have been absolute a pleasure to host to have here on the podcast. And for those people that are listening, always remember, dream it, believe it, go out and get it. Yo, what you think? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to know what you learned. So if you wouldn't mind, would you take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast on your phone right now? Upload to your Instagram stories, tag me at SeanRAnthony underscore, and then let me know in that Instagram story what is one thing that you learned. I love hearing from you, my listeners, thought leaders, former or current students all around the world. Let me know. And while you're doing this, go inside the podcast app. 
subscribe leave a five-star review and a five-star rating again this helps us reach more people and if you want to be a part of this mission helping us change the world one person at a time it makes a massive difference by you leaving a review thanks so much i'll see you next week and remember dream it believe it go out and get it